So thankful that we're able to gather together around God's Word today. Uh, the Word comes to us from Isaiah chapter 44, verses 21 and following. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there as, as we prepare to hear from the, the Word of the Lord. The words will be on the screen behind me as well as, uh, as the Lord speaks through the prophet Isaiah. Hear the Word now. Remember these things, Jacob, for you, Israel, are my servant. I have made you. You are my servant, Israel. I will not forget you. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, you heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, you earth beneath Burst into song, you mountains, you forests, and all your trees. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. This is God's word to us, offered in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, I ask that you would meet with us now in this space and time. You would open our eyes, that we would see our ears, that we would hear. Open our minds, that we would come to know and understand your word. Our hearts, that we would feel its power then by your grace. Oh God, we ask that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I can still remember the very first time I ever danced the Cotton Eye Joe. You, you, you know the Cotton Eye Joe? Uh, it, the first time you do the Cotton Eye Joe, uh, you're watching it and you're wondering if you're supposed to participate. But all of a sudden, especially if you did it in Texas, uh, you see everybody rushing to the dance floor and everybody comes together. And so you think to yourself, okay, well, if everybody's doing it, I'm supposed to do it as well. And so then you, you lock arms with the people around you and, and you, you, you probably, if you were like me, stood next to two people that knew exactly what they were doing. I stood next to two people that knew exactly what they were doing, and I knew not what I was doing at all. And um, they drug me all around the floor. You know, I was going forward, and they were going backwards. They were going forward, and I was going backwards. And then we were doing these things, and, 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 and all of a sudden, like, uh, everybody just starts, you know, prancing around the whole room. And I'm thinking to myself, we were just going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards and backwards and forwards, uh, and now we're going forwards, forwards. Uh, so I was confused by this, but sometimes you have to go backwards in order to go forwards. That's the lesson of the Cotton Eye Joe. You know, whenever... Whenever we get ourselves in some of the prophetic literature, actually when we get ourselves in, in, in any of God's word, if we're unfamiliar with it, sometimes we need to take a couple of steps backwards before we could go forwards. Because then we can have the context of what's going on so we have a better understanding of, of what God is revealing to us there. You, you see, th this passage in chapter 44 of Isaiah uh, might, might have some familiarity to the ear. Uh, you, you could turn to some of the chapters in 55 uh, and following in Isaiah and, and you'll hear some things that are familiar. But, but, but what we have to do is we, we actually need to take a step back, a couple of steps back and say, 
What is this about? Where does this come from? You see, we hear quite clearly the word says, return to me. God desires us to return to him. But if we don't know where we are returning from or what we are returning from, then that text can become, uh, uh, we can become deaf to it. We don't understand it. We don't grasp it. And so I want to point us to uh, this few steps backwards so that we can grasp this afresh today. There's uh, four chapters, uh, chapter 28, 29, 30, and 31 in Isaiah. And these chapters are a series of woes. A series of woes. Woes, not W-H-O-A, woe. Uh, not woe like a, like, like a horse, or maybe a little bit uh, in some sense, because it's to teach us uh, about what we are to stop from. So you see, the Lord has for the people four chapters that list their sin. List all the things that they are to be aware of that they have done in fleeing from the Lord and in, 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 uh, diverting from God's presence and how God is cautioning them, calling them to come back into a holy relationship with him. Whoa, be careful of these things. Be, be cognizant of these things so that we can choose a different path. And in chapter 30, we have a, a little bit of a diversion from the woes. Uh, it calls forth for us a picture of what this redemption looks like, how it is, it is made possible. Uh, chapter 30, beginning in verse 12, and then following to the, this culminating verse in verse 15 that we're going to hear together from. So the word says, Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message, relied on oppression, and depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall cracked and bulging that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break in pieces like pottery shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces not a fragment will be found for taking coals from a hearth or scoop water out of a cistern. This is what the Lord, the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. In repentance and rest there's salvation. And, and, and that, after all, is, is what in the midst of all of these woes we, we would be seeking. We would be saying all of this sin, all, 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 all of our brokenness is being acknowledged. And we are, we are clear of it now. And, if, and as we grow clear of it, how are we to be redeemed? And, and so there is this, this move, this repentance and rest is the way of salvation. But the word of God says we have none of it. Uh, we have rejected that. We, we don't even desire it. One of our woes is to acknowledge that we have rejected the redemption that is there for us in the Lord. And so it outlines for us the ways in which we've done that. You see, it, it says that, that we desire, uh, we rely on oppression, and we depend on deceit. Oppression and deceit as mechanisms for our way of life, these things that we have built up that need to be torn down. You see, brothers and sisters, we, we sin and fall short of God's glory, and God calls us to redemption and invites us there. And so often, as we are invited, as the Lord says, come, return, we still hold our 
God at arm's length. And God says this indeed is our downfall. This is our our downfall. How are we, brothers and sisters, to, to return to God? Well, we start by acknowledging what we're returning from. We're returning from our sin, our brokenness, our emptiness. And then it turns in uh, chapter 44 and invites us to, to understand what this redemption looks like. Not just what we're coming from, but also uh, what it is that we're going to, what this thing looks like, how it, how it is accomplished. And, and it points us to these images and, and invites us to consider redemption in a, in a metaphorical way so that we can have a greater understanding of, of how this is accomplished. You see, it, it first describes it as a cloud and then describes it as mist. Uh, and then here's what it says about it. It says that uh, it, it is removed from you like a cloud or like the lifting of a mist. You know, in, in Texas, I grew up as a kid playing the cloud game. Have any of you ever played the cloud game? Do you, if you know what I'm talking about, you totally get it. If you haven't played the cloud game, uh, you, you need to. And some of it might depend on us getting off of our electronics just long enough to actually pay, pay, pay attention to the fact that there are clouds. Indeed, brothers and sisters, there are clouds in the sky. There are, there, there are these white things, sometimes gray things, sometimes dark things, but, but, but they're in the sky. See, so that's what a cloud is. But, but the cloud game is this time where you spend maybe with a family member or a friend, your parents or your kids, and you lay down and you look up at the cloud and you say, I see a cloud that looks like a bear. And then everyone else is trying to find the cloud that looks like a bear. And so you're looking up at the cloud and you're trying to find it. And then someone else says, I see a cloud that looks like a unicorn. And everybody's trying to find the cloud that looks like a unicorn. But, but you know the difficulty in the cloud game is that the clouds are always changing and they're always moving. And so you have to find it quickly. If someone announces that they found a cloud that looked like something, you better find it quickly because pretty soon it's going to morph. Because that person that said they found a unicorn in just a second is going to say that that unicorn now looks like a monkey. And you're wondering, how, how did a unicorn become a monkey? It's because the clouds are moving. The clouds are constantly moving, and that is the image that we're to get about how our sins are being removed from us, like clouds are moving away. Think of it in, in the terms of Texas. Here in Texas, you can't look at a weather report on a daily basis and determine what rain looks like, particularly in the summer. Because in the summer, if it says 100% chance of rain, you're going to say to yourself, yeah, right. That's that 3 o'clock shower that's going to come 100% of the time, and then at 3.15, it's gone. It's going to be clear skies until 3 o'clock. It's going to be clear skies at 3.15, but for, from 3 to 3.15, it's going to be raining. That's how quickly the clouds are moving through our region. And God says to us through the prophet Isaiah, he says, your sins are removed from you like a cloud that moves across the sky. And is no longer there. I love this, this mist image. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because we don't live on a riverbank. And so we might not resonate as much with this mist image. But you could think about the morning mist that, that, that sets in or maybe even like a fog. And as the sun comes out, it burns it up so that it no longer is even present. So what once uh, inhibited your, your view, your, your line of sight, now is gone completely. That is what this redemption looks like. 
We first know what we're returning from, that we're returning from a course of brokenness and sin. And, and this is what, uh, how, how it rests in us. It, it is removed entirely like a cloud that lifts away. There's also some beautiful language uh, in chapter 43 about what this redemption looks like for us to, to borrow from yet again. Uh, 43 verses 1 and 2. The words also will be on the screen. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Notice the echoes from what we read in chapter 44. So this is one of the reasons why it will point and connect for us. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And then here, here are the images that, that are called up for the people of God to remember. Remember, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you, when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Waters, rivers, fire... Now, for, for, for the prophet Isaiah, he's speaking to the people of God, and they would have known uh, these reference points. They would have known that, that as the people of God move from slavery into the wilderness, uh, moving towards God's promise, drawing closer to God, they moved through the waters, and God was with them, protected them from that threat. When they moved from the wilderness into the promised land, and they walked through the river Jordan, they walked through the river, and the river did not sweep over them. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego entered into the fiery furnace that would threaten their very existence, would threaten their lives, God said, this fire will not burn you up. It cannot consume you because I am with you. You see, these threats, water, rivers, fire, are very real for the people of God. They're very real for us, and it reminds us of God's presence and provision through it all. So as we Consider what does this redemption look like? It looks like every threat, every threat being made low before the might and power of our Lord God Almighty. How magnificent is this for us to, to hear that God is doing this? Actually, not is doing this. It's, it's past tense language here. If you look back to verse 22 and 23, you'll hear that, that the word of the Lord says this four different times that this is past tense. It, I have swept away your offenses, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, for the Lord has done this, for the Lord has redeemed Jacob. Four different times this is a past tense occurrence. And for us as the people of God, believers, Folks that believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, we know that Jesus has already accomplished this. He has taken on our sins. He has borne our burdens. And he went to the cross and died on the cross so that as he rose from the dead, we could rise also. Our redemption is, out, is already here because it has been accomplished and that is so challenging for us to grasp. 
We are a people that, 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 that think that, that we, could, we could work our way to earn salvation because working hard is a part of our culture. It's a part of who we are and how we strive in this world. If I want to be a better basketball player, I work and strive for it. If I want to be better in my, in my business at, at the office, I'm going to work and strive and learn and grow. And yet, when it comes to things of faith, it's not about how we could work for it, but it's about how Jesus already worked for it for us. It's already been accomplished. I remember whenever, whenever I was pastoring in Bryan College Station, uh, we were opening a teen center in downtown Bryan for, uh, to, to bring together the youth of the community, the students uh, in, in the kind of suburban Bryan areas and the students that live downtown. And we were opening this teen center, but in order to, to do it in, a, in kind of a, a thrifty way, uh, we, were, we were opening it in a building that that was kind of run down. Uh, it was an old historic building, and we were kind of uh, rehabbing it so that it could host concerts and, and uh, after-school activities and tutoring and so on and so forth. And I remember uh, I, I took Saturday off uh, and, and, and uh, preached and led on Sunday, and I was going to go uh, to the center on Monday, and I had, I had running through my head all weekend long all the work that I had to do. And I had this list, and I was growing stressed about it. I preached a horrible sermon that Sunday because I was so tired thinking about all the work that had to come on Monday. I was exhausted just preparing, and I couldn't imagine. You know, I get mouth ulcers as I get stressed, and I had multiple mouth ulcers, and I was thinking about all that needed to happen. And how I was going to get up and on Monday morning, I was going to wake up and I was going to be there at 6 o'clock and I was going to grind all day and it was going to get accomplished. And you know what happened? I woke up at 6, I drove through uh, Whataburger, I got my taquito, I got my large Dr. Pepper, as it were, and then I got to the teen center and I walked in and everything had been done. Javier Cassiano had spent the entire weekend, without my knowledge, doing every single thing that needed to be done. Everything on my list had already been accomplished. What is it for us as a people of God to understand that Jesus has already done it? All of the striving and struggling, the wrestling and the working that you perceive you must do in order to become worthy of this gift of grace is not necessary because God's grace is already enough in Jesus Christ. He has redeemed you. He has entirely restored you. And all it is is for you to receive it. That's this invitation to come. Come to me, for I have redeemed you. It has been accomplished. All you have to do is come. Brothers and sisters, there's, there's only one adequate response to that sort of a gospel news, that sort of good news, and that is joy. That joy is, is a joy of redemption, and as we're redeemed, it, it comes into us and fills our bellies and, and, just, and just excites us and draws energy so that we go into the world and carry that joy out into the world. And, and the glory of that is that this isn't something that we have accomplished, but it's something that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. And so we carry that joy, and it describes it 
uh, in, in, uh, in verse 23 uh, as, as the, the earth, all of the natural things rejoicing and that we're participating in it. It talks about mountains and forests and trees singing and shouting God's praise and glory. And then it also says that, that, there, that there's this heavenly chorus, these, th- these angels of heaven that are resounding uh, in, in this joyful chorus as well. And they're inviting us. And it says, all of earth should be about the praise of the Lord because of all the Lord has done for us. So brothers and sisters, that's our invitation today to join in that joyful chorus of salvation because of what the Lord has done for you and for me. It's the only logical and reasonable response. Joy. Let it rest in you today as you know afresh again the grace we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me for prayer? Gracious and loving God, we celebrate your presence with us and the gift that it is to be able to come together around your word, the way in which you teach us and lead us to grow in, 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 in love with you, Lord, in our knowledge of how you have redeemed us. So I pray, O oh God, in this space and time that you would remind us afresh of what you have accomplished in us. On our behalf, you've already done it. So we pray, gracious God, that as we enter into this time of Holy Communion and and you meet with us here, that, that, that we would be reminded of your grace and feel the truth of that gift yet again. Lord, we need you. We need you every hour. We need you this hour. We need you in this very moment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.